Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Enjoy listening and watching as addiction experts Mark Sheeran and I cover controversial as well as helpful topics on addiction, how to move past it, and other related subjects. As two of the co-founders of the Freedom Model, Mark and I will give you a completely new perspective on the topics that matter to you. We will take to task the Recovery Society's lies and misinformation and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. It's time for you and those you love to step off the addiction roller coaster for good and learn a solution that works. It's called Move Past Addiction Masterclass, and it's a free one hour live online class where you'll hear new and empowering information about how to solve addiction for good without steps, meetings, rehabs, or being labeled for life. If you're struggling or you love someone who is, then this masterclass is for you. To enroll in this free one-hour class, click the link provided or go to thefreedommodel.org and choose the date and time that works for you. See you at the masterclass. Hey, everybody. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Addiction Solution. I'm Michelle Dunbar. And I'm Mark Sheeran. And we wrote... The Freedom Model for Addictions, along with Stephen Slate, and uh, and the Freedom Model for the Family, which is a little bit smaller. So, if you have a family member, go to you can get both of these digital copies of these books for free if you go to thefreedommodel.org and you go to our books tab and you pick the book you want. You enter coupon code Freedom One Hundred at checkout, or if you want to get that paperback for free, you go to freebook.freedommodel.org. Um, and we just want to talk quickly about, if you don't know about it, we offer a free masterclass. It's one hour a week, usually on a Thursday, but now that hunting season is upon us, I will be gone a lot. Well, and, and we have the, uh, complete addiction solution workshops now late in the week. So um, for yeah. those weeks, we've moved it to either Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, so I think this is going to come out, um, the 25th, Wednesday, the 25th will be our next one after this podcast comes out. So the master classes are each week and they're free. Um, and they're, they're one hour. Yeah. Um, and so the thing you need to know though, is if you, if you register for them and then you don't make the live event, you can watch it at your leisure because it's recorded. Absolutely. So once you're registered, so go to the freedommodel.org or hit this QR code here. That'll give you the info. Yep. And if you're on a PC, um, but if you're on your phone, just go to the freedommodel.org. When the pop-up comes up, uh, click on it, put in your information, you're registered. Then you can be at the live event or the recorded event. Yep. Best one hour you're ever going to spend. It's awesome. And yeah, you can ask us questions at the end too, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We're here for you. Yeah. So what we're going to talk about today is, you know, there's a lot of, we get in discussions with different people online in our, we have a, a private Facebook group called the Freedom Model Group and we, some great discussions, really good questions. And it's all for people that are reading the Freedom Model, learning the Freedom Model in different ways. Um, there are a bunch of people that have been part of that group now for the last few years who have read the book. They've done our programs. They understand it very well. They answer a lot of great questions that people might have. Um, but sometimes these discussions 
really bring out the just how overcomplicated the problem of addiction is made in our culture and our society. Right. The concept of addiction, right? So so the premise, let's start with the premise of addiction, and that is that there's a loss of control and that you are compelled to to behave in some way beyond your free will. So you're compelled right. by an outside agent, some force, some neb I always call it the nebulous force of addiction. So that's what addiction means in our Western recovery-centered culture. And uh, I'm going to take my watch off because it, it hits he the table. clunking the table. Yeah, it's just the way this one sits. So, <laughs> so we're sorry about that. So <laughs> that that's the, so addiction as a compelled force, nebulous force, is a lie. So the first thing we have to say is that nobody is compelled to use that. There is no thing called addiction. There is no compulsion. There is no biochemical chemically hacked brain that makes you behave beyond what you want to have happen in your life. And at that moment, now that's not to say that you, you behave in a certain way and there's not consequences. I'm not saying that it doesn't turn right. out tragic. Sometimes, sometimes people get caught up in that, that, Oh no, I didn't want that. Well, I, I, I get that it sometimes turns into a shit show and it turns bad. I, I lived it. I understand that. But at the time that you're getting high, at the time you're choosing your quote unquote addictions, I use quotes because it's not real. There is no thing called addiction. So when you, when you create habits, you know, that's, that's what you're actually doing now. So the premise of addiction is overblown right from its inception. When we start yeah. talking about addiction, we're talking in the Western cultural mythological view that there is actually some sort of nebulous force. So if you're starting with a lie, yep, it becomes really, really, really hard not to go down a path that's going to be filled with all kinds of illogical things. Then you're trying to search for an answer to something that doesn't even really exist, mm. which is what the treatment industry has made billions, hundreds of billions, thousands of billions of dollars, right? Uh, doing. They're, they're searching to try and fix something that is a ghost, is a straw man. And the propaganda is so strong and it's so well done and insidious, right? That people don't even know that they don't even know the depths of their, their mythological beliefs. Here's, so we're going to get into the idea of pleasure, right? Because that's what this, this long string on our group was about. Great discussions, by the way. Yeah, and it was, really was. And I think that where we need to start is when you're not, um, first of all, on a Facebook group, there's it's very limited because when it comes to pleasure, there is so much conflating of different terms that happened in this in this particular thread that people were getting lost in uh, in things like this. And that, let me give you an example. So they were talking about pleasure in the bodily sense that, you know, everybody finds sugar pleasurable and that's just not true, but, but let's say that everybody did. And so this person was arguing that there was some sort of biochemical drive that really likes sugar in the body, which makes you basically powerless over it in some way. Well, I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not sure that he, he or she, cause it was anonymous meant that, that it was that I, it, well, that was the part of it that like when we, I just have to say something when in chapter 20 in our book, when we're talking about pleasure, 
we're talking about it with respect to addiction specifically. And so if you're talking about chapter 20, we're going to make that assumption that if you are making a case for inherently pleasurable activities, you're what you're making a case for, we're just going to assume is that somehow you're out of control, right? Yes, that's exactly what I was saying. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's exactly what I was saying. So I probably wasn't saying it very well. No, she, no. she did a better job. <laughs> um, so, so I think that, um, so this person goes, but, but here's the problem. And the first problem I saw, once you start talking about, and specifically with sugar, as an example, you start conflating what the body needs to survive a physical reality Right. With the mental process of subjective pleasure, the interpretation of that physical process. But this person wasn't, for whatever reason, able to differentiate between those two things. So the argument was difficult to have in such a small space. Yeah. That, that's so, what coaching is for, by the way. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, that, 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 that's exactly correct. So, so you would have to go back and forth to try and figure out what the person was trying to say to begin with. And so let's go with the sugar argument because I think it's an interesting one because your body requires, we all know this, carbohydrates and proteins and, and food. And if you've ever cut weight, right? Mm. Really cut weight. I was a boxer, so I cut weight and I'd watch my son do it in wrestling. It's torture. Um, it's really quite remarkable what happens inside your, your psyche. And and how much you think you don't have control over the urges to eat. And then you hit a place when you're cutting weight where it normalizes like everything else and you don't care. Then you go to the next level of starvation, right? And when you're really cutting weight, which is totally unhealthy, by the way, it's starving yourself and dehydrating yourself. It's brutal. Um, you do become very well acquainted with what your body needs. You become very aware that there is a biochemical thing that is actually real in the body. Now, I think it's really important that in our audience, when we're talking about sugar, we are not talking about heroin because when we start to make parallels between a biochemical reality of food to stay alive, I don't know if I've ever had a bowl of heroin with my milk in the morning, okay? You don't need heroin, okay? So, so they're two completely different worlds. Great point. Wow. Okay? So they're, they're two completely different worlds. Now, now we let's go from sugar to sex to heroin. Now, these all get conflated, by the way, in the addiction the world. In the addiction world, absolutely. Like they're exactly the same. Right. That we're all powerless over the, the wiles of the body, right? And the biochemical. The, the, the biological desires. Yeah. Yes. You've been by needs, so to speak. That's right. So what they do with heroin or booze or cocaine is they say, Oh yeah, the drug in its infinite wisdom, right? They personify the drug has now gone into your brain tissue and made it like a food stuff. Okay. And it's changed your brain that you need it and crave it. Now, I'm not going to argue this person. I agree that when you starve yourself, you will desire sugars, carbohydrates, proteins, and water. And it is remarkable how much your body says, however it says it, to your psyche, to your mind. Yeah. You better fucking you eat. Need you this. Gonna, yeah, you need this. Or you're going to die. Yes. Now, if we go to sex, it doesn't have that. Now, there is a biochemical reality about orgasm 
about hormones. And some may argue that if you have a high testosterone level, you're driven to think about the opposite sex, the same sex, whatever, whatever your preference is. And I think that's true because when you're a boy and you're a teenager turned into a teenager, let me tell you, the only thing I thought about in 11th grade was getting laid. I mean, it literally was like, I am tortured with this. For some women, it's the same. Uh, yeah. And I think that, I think that that's a common experience. Masturbation at that time goes off the charts and I don't, you know, so, so do I, do I argue that there is a biochemical thing that, that has an effect on your thoughts? I don't, I don't argue that. And did I find it pleasurable? Sure. And I think most people do. So when it comes to the needs of the body to procreate mm -hmm. and feed itself, I think there's a reality that we can all agree upon. But does that mean that you, every time I fantasized about that girl on the basketball court, then I went up and, and had sex with her? Did I, did I go out of control? This is where things get very weird in the treatment arena with porn, for instance. We say we can't stop with the porn addiction, but you can when she's walking out in public. How come you're not at that point going, what's regulating you and stopping you? You may masturbate in the bedroom in hiding, but you're not going to go out and rape every girl that you see. Or when you, you're not going to sit and masturbate and open on the beach, watching girls walk down the um, their bikinis. Right. Right. So, so, so we're going into this weird world where we're actually trying to convince people that that's a possibility. Now, are there mentally ill people that do that? Yep, I've seen it. Me too. Right? I, I've seen where the social norms have been broken down so much in that person that they don't care and they will publicly masturbate. But is that an addiction or is that some other grouping of situations and circumstances Coupled with that's not the norm. So I don't think we can call that some sort of addiction. I would say that's a breakdown of the human psyche, complete breakdown. And I don't think anybody really knows what the fuck is going on there. And if somebody told me they knew that I'd, I'd call them a liar. Okay. That would all be guesswork. Right. And it's rare. I mean, as a per capita situation, Very that's incredibly rare. rare, you know? So we're talking about all kinds of things, but when it's put in the framework of an addiction, it's the wrong place because addiction doesn't exist. And we have to look at each situation and pick it apart very carefully before we, and we need to define things. Now, the freedom model doesn't deal with sex, quote unquote addiction. It doesn't deal with food. It doesn't deal with these things specifically because they all have a different scenario as I've just described with uh, the difference between heroin and sugar the difference between heroin and sex. These are different circumstances. Right. But, but we do debunk the concept of addiction as a compelled behavior, which is important. Yes. In all of those situations, sugar, sex, and heroin, alcohol, the idea that you are taken over, you can fast to death. You can, and people have and do thousands of people have and, and have done it for. So the pleasure they find in eating is superseded by the pleasure in maybe a political mission like Gandhi. I always use him as the example. He changed an entire nation by not eating, by right. denying himself that. So he found more pleasure. Now, we, we don't like using the word pleasure because it wasn't probably 
pleasure, but more satisfaction, more of his positive drive. Right. Well, and it's, it's the same thing to, you know, this uh, person talked about, you know, people uh, pain, right? Well, literally millions of people run marathons, which is incredibly painful. You ever watch a boxing match? I, you know, right. there, there is, I, I never presume to know what people find pleasurable and where people's drive to do certain behaviors come from because everybody is, is autonomous. And, and so, but, but I think the pleasure argument with respect to addiction itself is a bit of a red herring because you can find, I find lots of stuff pleasurable. Um, and don't engage in that, those activities or eat those foods or like, I, I like a mild buzz once now and again, but I don't do it regularly. Right. You right. know, so you can find out anything pleasurable and not feel like you're addicted to it. Yeah. The, the addiction concept is where things get murky. And it always comes back to loss of control that the drug is in charge, the sugar's in charge, your hacked biochemistry is in charge. None of that is true. There is no hacked biochemistry forcing you to behave in any way. They can't define it. Well, and you know? <laughs> do you know what's funny? And then somebody asked later on, because I, I read further on in the discussion, even it kept going on today. Um you know, they were talking about why don't people get addicted to to eating vegetables? Well, I know I, I eat vegetables every day. I guess you could, if you wanted to call that an addiction, um, but you wouldn't, but nobody calls things that aren't taboo right. or perceived as being bad or morally wrong as it, nobody ever calls those things addictions. That's right. Like a vegan Yes, in the, you it, used vegan. Yeah, yeah, I said, have you ever talked to a rabid vegan? I mean, holy shit. <laughs> that dude. is a religion unto itself. That is, that <laughs> yeah. is. I, and they are radical and they are crazy. And, and, but that's their thing, right? Yeah. That's their thing. They believe it's almost a moral issue. And I get it. I guess if you believe in something, I've, I've, I've been, you know, sort of, <laughs> a purveyor of some idea pretty radically. Sometimes I'm known to do that. <laughs> so I, I think that, um, here's why pleasure You're addicted to hunting. Yeah. Pleasure, <laughs> pleasure is absolutely 100% subjective. And here's why when you fast, I'm going to go back to the sugar thing. When you deny yourself of food to survive in the pursuit of, let's say, making weight at a boxing match because that's more important. If I didn't believe it was more important than the food, if I didn't believe it was somehow relatively more pleasurable to actually make weight than not make weight and eat the food, then I wouldn't do it. You know? So, so the point is, is we are always navigating our world in this sort of scalable way. And I, what I mean by scale is like a scale, you know, is this going to give me more pleasure? Is it going to give Trade me more offs. satisfaction trade-offs? That's, that's exactly right. So, so it doesn't matter your biochemistry. If there's a great passage in Viktor Frankl's man's search for meaning where the, all of the prisoners 
somebody had stolen a jacket. I can't remember the exact thing. I had stolen a jacket or something. And the SS, the Nazis said, if somebody doesn't step forward, we're going to deny you food. You're not going to get your meal tonight. And the entire encampment remained silent and didn't eat. And these people were starving to death and not a single one made a peep. They said they could hear a pin drop. So you, you think about that. They found more pleasure in sticking it to the Nazis, not giving them the satisfaction in lieu of food. So it is subjective, make no mistake, even in that realm where biochemistry is involved. Yeah. Well, and it right? just, it just occurred to me, that's a really great point. It just occurred to me when you were talking that maybe what people conflate is preference and liking something, so to yes. speak, to pleasure. Yes. Because, yes. It, you know, th this person used the example of uh, homosexuality. Like, do, do you think people, uh, people that's have a choice as to whether or not they want to be straight or, or gay. Um, do they, and, and I, and I do think preferences to a certain extent, um, which is, which is not the same as pleasure. Right. Well, the, there's a scale, there's a scale. Pleasure is a, is, is on a happiness scale, right? Pleasure might be mid-level. Joy is up here. Pleasure because they're almost whimsical mm -hmm. and exciting. And then you get into them denying themselves food to stick it to the Nazis. That's probably a pretty low level, but we call it in the freedom model relative happiness. It's better than giving them the guy that stole the jacket and watching be killed. Right. So is that pleasure right to, to deny yourself the food for the benefit of that man probably not pleasure so we that's why words matter so sometimes i think you're right people get lost when we say pleasure is subjective and then we use these examples and they say that's not pleasure so what we're talking about is generalized happiness supersedes your desire to be happy supersedes your biochemistry in many cases uh People starve themselves to death and anorexic sees the value in not eating and they die. Okay. So, so they find more pleasure in not eating and having that body dysmorphia. They, they, they see themselves as more beautiful and we may all look out from the outside and judge it harshly. And I get it, you know, but the reality is that's what that person believes and wants and they find it more pleasurable. Now, yeah. not pleasurable, more satisfying, more, more, they feel more beautiful, more self-worth. All of these on a, on a, is still an expression of your positive drive. Yeah. So, so what I, what, what, what point I was going to make, and, and this is relative to that discussion online, um, when, you know, sexual preference came in is, is, is I, I, no, I, I, I think for most people, sexual preference is something that, that, just, that is just is just is what it is. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I don't, I don't, I think, I think preference, something that you like or dislike in some cases can be your part of your makeup. Like I will never eat peanut butter. Never, never, never. I have always thought it was absolutely, it repulses me. Honest to God. 
yeah. He knows. Yeah, May totally always gross. like that for me. May. Right. Yeah, so, and I um, and I don't know why that is. I I I have no, you know, there's very few foods that repulse me. That is one of them. Um, and um, and so so I I get that, but I don't think that's the same as pleasure. Now, if I were starving, if I were absolutely starving, would I eat peanut butter? You bet your ass. Right. I mean, we know there are many cases of you look at World War II, if you studied it and you understand there's all kinds of books on this, people eating the walls yeah. in their homes, you know, and then and they, they'll so uh, but but again, then we start to conflate a biochemical need. Yes. Versus a biochemical want. Yes. Heroin sex. These are things that we want. We don't necessarily have to procreate. Um, and, and nature made it pleasurable. So they hoped we would to propagate the species, but if you don't eat, you're fucking dead. Okay. There, there's a difference. There is, there's a difference. a difference. So, so we need to recognize what these differences are and not conflate the need of, of sugar and carbohydrates and these sorts of things that are biochemically driven to some level. And then heroin, which is, is not that way. Now let's, let's look at that though. Let's say that heroin gets to the point in your body or alcohol where, mm. where it, the body almost sees it as a food stuff and in the same sort of with realm. alcohol that happens. Yes. Alcohol is very similar with the simple sugar properties, sugar. right? Mm -hmm. Acetaldehyde. So then you get withdrawal symptoms. Now it's a biochemical issue. Now we're right now. People will jump to the conclusion. Well, this is well, like, now food. I do need it. Now I am compelled to, here's the problem with that. You can millions of people, maybe billions of people throughout history that have had in the, I don't know if it's billions, maybe it's millions, whatever it is throughout history of mankind that drank alcohol abusively for a good length of time in their life, got withdrawal. And so now we have a biochemical angle to this. And what the treatment proponents want to say is, yes, now see, you're, you're, you're compelled. No, you're not. Because people can go, I'm not going to drink today and I'm going to go through detox Yep, and I'm going to stop. Which and, we both did. Yeah. And, and, and we know that, you know, that in the audience, and we all know people that, that were heroin users that did this. Um, so anything that even has physical biochemical withdrawal, right? Symptoms. It's a simple stopping. Yeah. And that is a, the mind supersedes the body based on the pleasure, maybe not pleasure, but satisfaction we get at, I don't have to keep doing heroin anymore. I think I'll go through the three day window of having a flu. I'm going to get on the other side. I've decided to do that. The whole gist of this podcast is so you understand that regardless of what's happening in your body, your mind can supersede it. Well, and you know, what's interesting, and this is right along those lines is what addiction ends up being is a belief system that you've convinced yourself that you will die without this thing. Right. So true. Right. You, you, so you, you have convinced yourself. I need this. I need this today. And, and if I don't have it, well, my life, I, I, I it's awful. My life is going to be awful without this thing. Right. And, and it's a belief, make no mistake. It's a belief, but 
but it's so interesting because we convince ourselves we need all kinds of things. It's so true. And if it's you, so true. If you read, I mean, I'll tell you what, man's search for meaning like dispelled all of that for me because you watch with these people what, what Viktor Frankl went through living in utterly the conditions were, were well, it's hell. Uh, hell. Pure it was hell, hell on earth. Yeah. And yeah. and 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 then if you go through a hard time in your life and you can't you you can't have the comforts that you're you're accustomed to, you realize, oh, maybe I don't need this and that and the other thing. And and so it opens your mind to the possibility of oh, maybe I can be happy without this today. That's I have purposefully in the last three years simplified my life for that reason. I've experimented with the Spartan life and I'm happier. Yes, I've been happier than I've too. been maybe in my whole life. I, I saw a meme not that long ago that said, if you could go to any era in your life, what era would it be? And people were like, when I was 30, when I was 18, and I was free. Uh, to be honest, it'd be now for me Yeah, because me I'm finally at a place where I'm like, I'm okay. Everything is okay. And no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. And there's a beauty in that. There's a, such a beauty well, in that. It's a freedom. Yeah. Right? I don't it's a, need it's, anything. Yeah. It's a freedom where you realize, oh, wow, I I can be happy with, with just about under any circumstances. Yeah. Like yeah. I can find positive, happy feelings and vibes and pleasure Mm-hmm. In very sim- simple ways now, yeah. and I mean, maybe that's just a product of being in our fifties and living as long as we've lived. I don't, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't think it is. I, I know a lot of fifty-year-olds that are tied mm. to what everybody thinks. That are tied right. to you know whether they have the Corvette or not. And I'm not bagging on that. No, I love good things. I love good things. I'm just at a point where I've simplified to the things I really enjoy. Me too. And and. So when I say a Spartan life, I'm not at a point and nor would I be willing to, to go full bore on that because that's not something I really want to do. No, But, but I have, I don't have the complications. I got, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. So I used to, I had a big house for snowmobiles, tractors, motorcycles, mm-hmm. all this stuff with my kids. And it was appropriate at that time in my life to have all those things for my children and for my wife. And that was the style of life. Well, once I sold my house, I sold the sleds. I'm selling my Harley. I'm selling, selling, selling. I said, what do I have? What, what? And I had time. I had time. <laughs> I had time. Time with his grandson. Yeah. Time with my grandson. Time with my kids. Time to slow down, look them in the eye. And so what I've done is I've really focused on stopping, looking at my wife. Who is this person? I mean, it's very easy to get lost. So for me, for me, uh, the loss of things has been a wonderful attribute. And I find more pleasure in the simple things. You may be in the opposite stage of life. It, it's all relative to it's, your experience. That's it. That's what we mean in many cases by subjectivity. That's, yeah. You know, yes. by, by just because you find certain, a certain activity pleasurable today and maybe the the way that you're doing it, you find it pleasurable. So maybe maybe you're doing it what what you believe is too much, um, does not mean 
that you will find that same activity pleasurable in the same way that you're doing it a year from now. Yeah. Be married for more than 10 years and you'll find out that you go through ebbs and flows of love, hate, anger, wonderful, joy, everything. And your relationship will change. But if you got the glue where you really love each other, you'll get through it. And if you value a marriage, like the concept of marriage, I mean, there's just the dry concept of marriage and dedication that sometimes that's all you got, dude. And if you're somebody that doesn't really value that, you'll get a divorce and you'll move on. You'll be happier doing that. And that's okay too. Sure. I, I, I don't, what I've learned as I've gotten older is I don't judge anybody's subjectivity. I realize me that, neither. But if somebody asks me, listen, I'm not happy doing this, I say, okay, then let's reevaluate, let's challenge it, and let's see if you're ready to move on from that. You know, and people usually are. And yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we covered this really well. Yeah. Um, so I just want to remind everyone though, okay, that this kind of discussion. These kinds of discussions and discussions like you see in our in our group, in our uh, Facebook group, that's why we have coaching. Somebody asked us in the master class today, yeah. um, like, well, if if you're if you're giving away the book and people get the solution, the solution is in the book, then why would they want coaching? Yeah, why would they want they were being snarky? They yeah. were being kind of snarky. And but I thought it was a good question. No, it's a great question. We answered it nicely. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a great question. And that is, well, that is because people, Mark said it, people learn very differently. And and both I he do. and I were people that I do learn pretty well reading but I learn even better applying and by applying for me, sometimes it's discussion. Yeah. That's experiential learning, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then applying and then talking about it and then applying and then talking about the results. And, um, and that's what, what coaching is for. Um, the online program as well is, uh, you know, sometimes people want to see a video and they want to see, um, you know, the the points written out. Right. Tutorial style. Yep. They want to have a yeah. workbook to do questions. Right. System tutorial style. That's what that's called. Yeah. And then you have uh, our complete addiction solution program. And that's- Where you're in front of us. You're with us. It's everything. It's <laughs> For two workbook, days. presentation, coaching, experiential learning, all wrapped up in two days intense where you go through the entire curriculum. And then you get a whole year- to apply it, talk with us about it, apply it. I mean, it's it's tremendous. Yeah. You won't even need a year. You'll probably maybe two or three months That's usually post workshop. Yep. Um, but the, but it's there for you. And then you move on with your life. Exactly. Exactly. So thanks everybody. We hope uh this was informative to you. And um remember, e- remember our master class. So it's the QR code right there if you're watching. Um, on, uh, on YouTube, if not, and you're listening, you can go to thefreedommodel.org and sign up for our masterclass. So. All right, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Are you struggling with a drug or alcohol problem, but you don't want to go to rehab or group meetings? That's why we created the non-12-step Freedom Model Coaching Program in 2011. Through video conferencing on Zoom or Skype, you can work privately with a certified Freedom Model Coach from your home or office on your schedule. And here's the best part. 
With the Freedom Model, you'll never be labeled an addict or an alcoholic, and we won't tell you to go to 12-step meetings or hamper your life with endless recovery rituals. Instead, you can learn exactly why addiction isn't a disease and how you can solve the problem for good and move on with your life. Do you want to be completely free from your addiction? Do you want to never have to attend meetings, rehabs, or addiction counseling ever again? And do you want to solve your problem from the comfort of home? Then call us at 888-424-2626 to talk with a Freedom Model coach today and experience the Freedom Model difference.